Creative Babble. This episode contains strong language and depictions of illegal activities that's not suitable for young audiences. Last time on Pretend Radio, we witnessed the birth of a con man. Eric Torres started his criminal career as a street thug and worked his way up to car insurance scam artist. Here's how it works. Eric stages car accidents, then the driver goes to his fake medical clinic and cashes out a $10,000 personal injury claim. He made a killing scamming thousands from car insurance companies. So I was going out there, staging a few car accidents here and there, and staging a car accident with three people, making 1500 here. Those people would refer other people. Those people will keep referring people. So I would look like a drug dealer. You know what I mean? Where people would call me instead of drugs, they'll call me for an accident. You know, so they wanted to make a little money. They were short on rent. They didn't have no money. Surprise, surprise. He got caught and was facing some serious jail time. He could have easily walked away without going to prison. All he had to do was rat out the guy who was running the fake medical clinic. I'm Javier Leva, and this is Pretend Radio. Stories about real people pretending to be someone else. So why didn't he do it? I don't understand. Why didn't he just go and cooperate with the authorities and turn in the owner of the fake medical clinic? Uh, I remember I went to jail and uh, I ended up going to I ended up going to court. Prosecutors like, hey man, you don't want to talk on your guy. I said, no, I got nothing to talk to about this guy. You want to go to jail, but you want to stay in good terms with people because when you come back, you need them. So who is this guy anyway? The owner of the clinic. Well, his name is Dixon Barcelo Castro. I did my time. I got out. When I got out, you know, um, this same guy that I took the blame for, you know, I had called him before I went to jail. I told him, hey, man, you know, I just want to let you know that you could count on me. You know, I know you got a family. I know you got kids, but I want you to know that don't worry. You could count on me. I'm going to do what I got to do. And, uh, you know, I just want you to take care of me when I get out. So, which he did. When I was in prison, he used to, he used to give me about eight to $10,000 every month trying to compensate me for the time that I lost. So, uh, eight to 10000 a month? Yeah, about eight to $10,000 a month. Damn. So, I got out. I had, you know, a good piece of chunk of bunny. And I tell him, hey, man, you know, I I appreciate what you did, but, you know, my, what I did for you doesn't really have a price tag, you know? So um, so what are we going to do now? So I, I had about $200,000 in cash. Uh, I went and bought a car. You know, I went and got me some clothes. I got an apartment. I got all settled up and ready and stuff. The moment Eric set foot outside of prison... Dixon Barcelo already had a job lined up for him. You see, while Eric was doing jail time, covering for him, Dixon was operating another medical clinic. He was operating a pain management clinic, you know, when I got out. And he tells me, hey, man, look, you know, uh, buy this MRI from me. 
and I want you to start making some money. So I was like, well, how much you want? And, and, you know, he was like, oh, I want 60,000 bucks. So I said, all right, great. You know, how much am I going to make? He says, look, I guarantee you're going to make at least two to 3,000 a day. I was like, all right, perfect. Here's your 60 grand. So I gave him the 60,000. I bought the machine. I ended up putting the machine, left in the machine there in his in his property. And I was making exactly what he was saying, about two to 3,000 bucks every day, every day. Why did he want you to buy it? I mean, why, why couldn't he have done this himself? Because he wanted, he, he just wanted to look out for me. He knew that what I did was was very hard, hardcore, you know? He says, man, what this guy did for me, you know, I was he was able to stay out here and raise his kids. So Dixon, you know, the guy that ran the car insurance scam, is now in the pain management business. Okay, I'll bite. Pain management is a branch of medicine that specializes in, you know, easing the quality of life for those suffering with chronic pain. This new pain management thing that he got onto was that, you know, 80% of patients have a problem in their lower back, uh, whether it's a disc, whether it's, you know, it's a herniation, whether it's a bulging disc, whether it's a pinched nerve, you know, there's always going to be something wrong with the back. So, uh, you know, it's kind of irrelevant because, I mean, everybody has some type of deterioration on the, on your, on your, you know, your L5, your L7s way down in your spine. So, okay, let's cut the crap. This can't possibly be a legitimate pain management clinic. It's safe to assume that this new business venture of his is shady as hell. This pain management clinic is a way to sell and distribute oxycodone in the black market. Well, the reason why you want to have the clinic is you need somebody to write you the prescription. So the doctor is going to write the patient the prescription for, let's say, 200 pills of oxycodone. So the doctor writes a prescription 200 pills of oxycodone. He pays $300 for the doctor. He pays me 300 for the MRI. He pays $200 to get 200 pills. So the patient has invested $800. When he sells 200 pills at $20, he made four grand. So out of the 4,000, you take away $800. The patient's left over with 3,200 bucks. Now you could do it every month because you need to go back and get your refills. So now you're making $3,200 a month just going to the doctor to take a visit. You know what I mean? When you think about it, it it's it's how long would it take a, a normal person to work, you know, how many hours a week to make $3,200? And this guy is just going once a month selling his prescriptions and making 3200 bucks. You know what I mean? It becomes a hell of a business. The drug maker Purdue Pharma released Oxycontin in 1996. It promised that a single dose relieves pain for up to 12 hours. You can finally sleep through the night without waking up to take medication. But here's the deal. The drug never really lived up to expectations. And it turns out it's extremely addictive. Look, oxycodone is a synthetic heroin, right? It's You buy heroin on the street, you don't know what you're buying. The heroin can be cut. Nowadays, it has fentanyl. It'll kill you. So they know exactly what they're getting. It gives them the same amount at the same high as if they were doing, you know, real heroin. So, you know, they buy it. The pill is cheaper. They get better. They get a better use of the drug and it gives them a better high because it's clean. It's a clean drug. 
so they're not going there for back like these guys know what they're doing like the patients know exactly what they're right doing. exactly they know exactly what they're doing they're they're out there they're using the black market to sell these pills on the street to addicts you so know they're not they're not even using the pills for themselves they're, no they're just using it they're going in there they're going in there to make the money and they got a local dealer once they get their pills they got a local dealer that buys the pills off of them wait i still don't get it so the patient walks into the fake clinic, pays $800 for their service and pills, then sells it back in the black market for 3200 bucks. What's in it for Eric and Dixon? $800 just doesn't seem like a whole lot of money. Oh, there's a twist. Now, if I, if I start adding, taking people and paying for them and saying, hey, man, look, you don't got the money to, to, to invest in the doctor and the MRI, $800, guess what? I'll pay for you. I'll pay the $800 and I'll give you a thousand bucks. So now out of four grand, I got 3,200. I gave them a thousand. I keep 2,200. If I took five people in a week, once a month, I made 10 grand. You can't beat that because it is a high commodity. It is high on demand. The drug sells on its own. You know what I mean? The streets know that. The politicians know that. The manufacturers know that. It's a business all the way around. A deadly business. Right now, drug overdoses are the leading cause of death among Americans 50 years and under. Opiates kill an average of 43 people a day. It's a huge problem. But for Eric and his goons, it's just another day's work. Business started slowing down. It may have something to do with the DEA and the federal prosecutors cracking down on Mallinckrodt Pharmaceuticals, one of the nation's largest manufacturers of oxycodone. More than 500 million of its pills ended up in Florida between 2008 and 2012. The DEA says that the company ignored its responsibilities to report suspicious orders. It lasted about two years and uh, the business started dying out. Right. And by that time, I had made very good money. And I remember I had a, a guy, a guy up in Georgia. He called me and he told me, hey, man, I, I need to get the uh, copy of MRIs of patients. So this guy starts taking patients towards Georgia. So I was like, all right, sure, I'll send you the copy. So I see that he starts calling over and over and over again. I'm like, wow, man, this guy. He must be making a lot of money. I spoke to the guy on the phone. The guy told me, man, you should come up here. You should set up your own medical facility. You'll be making a killing. The guys down in Florida, they haven't caught on to this. Why don't you come up here? I said, sure, no problem, man. I'll go up there. And I went out there, checked it out. The guy had a huge office filled up. So um, I went online and I put a few ads on Craigslist looking for a doctor that was willing to do pain management. And I ended up, you know, catching one. You know, I got a doctor. I met with the doctor. The doctor was a cool guy, man. He said, yeah, man, I, you know, the doctor straight up tells me, hey, man, yeah, I know what's going on, man. I want to make some money, too. Don't doctors make enough money? <laughs> I mean. I mean, you know what? The medical industry has changed so much that they stopped making money. They, they're not making the same amount of money that they used to. Nowadays, you got physician assistants that are making the money that doctors are making uh the patients that i was dealing down there in florida called them and uh and i told them hey man look i just opened up my own facility out here in georgia why don't you come up here they were like sure man we're on our way 
And I mean, that was pretty much it. Uh, you know, the, the clinic started making good money. It was started rolling, and and uh, you know, I closed. I ended up closing the clinic down uh, after the year. The doctor fled. He took off. And why did, why did he take off? I don't know. I guess he made enough money, and he was kind of worried, and uh, and he just left. So, make a long story short, uh, the doctor left, and I closed down the clinic, and. And that's about it. A few years went by. I started living my life. I got married. I had kids. Eric walks away. Four years go by, and things are finally starting to settle down. He has a family, housekeepers, a yacht, tons of money. Life is good. Well, life was good until he called his former office manager. I had this guy that used to operate the business for me on a day-to-day basis. Uh, this guy went and uh, and I called him, you know, let's uh, you got something to do. And I, I, I kind of heard the guy with a suspicious tone of voice. I was like, man, this guy's acting real weird. You know, what's up with this guy? He was like, yeah, yeah. He's like, man, what are you calling me for? And I was like, what do you mean? What am I calling you for? You know, me and you never ended up in bad terms. So he was like, yeah, what are you calling me for? You're acting real weird. And I was like, man, you're acting real weird. You know what I mean? So he's like, look, man, you know, I can't talk to you right now. I'll call you back from another phone. So he ended up calling me from another phone. And we, uh, and he called me and, and, uh, he acted real weird. He said, hey, man, he goes, what, what, he goes, you know, the doctor went to jail, right? And I was like, the doctor went to jail. I was like, no, I didn't know that. Why would he go to jail? He said, yeah, man. What are you trying to do, man? You're trying to set me up. You know, what are you trying to do? You're trying to make me operate a phony clinic. And I was like, man, you're crazy. I, I called the lawyer. I called my lawyer the next day and I was, you know, kind of freaking out. I called my lawyer and I told him, hey, man, look, I think I got a little problem. You know what I mean? He says, oh, okay. He says, what happened? I said, no, well, look, I talked to this guy. He said, the doctor went to jail. I'm pretty sure that if the doctor went to jail, they're going to probably be looking for me as well. So he called over there and exactly what it was. The prosecutor was uh, ready to indict me on uh, a couple federal charges for money laundering and conspiracy to traffic and... And I was like, oh, shit, man, you know, last thing I wanted was this. But, you know, we went up there. We ended up we spoke to the prosecutor and uh, I told him, man, listen, man, you know, this shit happened almost four years ago. You know what I mean? You know, I wasn't, you know, thinking this was going to happen so many, you know, at this time in life. And they were like, yeah, I remember my lawyer was like, you're going to have to do 10 years. You got to start going to do your 10 year time. That's what the prosecutors want. And I said, shit, man, you know, I kind of got fed up. I got I got to a point where I'm just fed up because I'm just like, man, you know, you can't do nothing out here, man. There's no winning. There's no winning these people. We spoke to the prosecutor about what had happened and this and that. And I told him, man, you know, you know, it is what it is. You know, yeah, we were doing this. We were operating the clinic and we kind of knew we, we kind of knew we were doing it for a wrong reason. You know, we weren't really doing it for any medical right reasons. So remorse. That's what I was hoping to hear this whole time. The reason why I haven't spoken to Eric all these years is because he is a bad guy whether he wants to believe it or not. I wanted to know, does he feel bad about the things he's done? I think part of him does. But in the end, I think he really feels like he's the victim in this whole thing. 
But what bothers me the most is that he's a smart guy, a real entrepreneur. Can you imagine if he took his con artist instincts and applied it to a legitimate business? I mean, the guy would be insanely successful. And that's what he's doing now. He's working for what he says is a legitimate nutritional supplement company. We've spoken many nights about his plans and the company and how he plans to grow it. It all sounds legit. Finally, his energy is focused in the right direction. As for his legal troubles, Eric is awaiting sentencing. And what about the owner of the clinic, Dixon Barcelo Castro? Dixon and his brother were both indicted on charges of conspiracy to commit healthcare fraud. Authorities say Dixon operated four different medical clinics around the state of Florida and scammed millions away from Medicare. As soon as they issued a warrant for their arrest, the Barcelo brothers were gone. They disappeared. Right now, as we speak, he's running from the FBI. Uh, you know, he's been on the run probably about four years. Um, and I never heard from him since. Like out of the country, maybe? Uh, he might be out of the country, probably in Mexico. Eric's future is yet unwritten. He may spend the next 10 years in prison. Will he go back to being a con artist? Or will he change? Who knows? I guess we'll have to wait and see. Hi everyone, this is Javier. I just wanted to pop in and give you an update on the show. I'm gonna take a couple weeks off. Not because I need the break, but because I have so many great stories that I just don't have enough time to edit. I always get so jealous of when I listen to podcasts and they have credits at the end. I wish I had credits. Uh, unfortunately, it's just me. I could only work so fast. But really amazing stories. Can't wait to share it with you. In the meantime, Go to pretendradio.org and sign up for the mailing list. That way I can let you know when we're back. And please tell your friends. This is an awesome, awesome, awesome project. People keep telling me how much they love it. I've personally never felt so creatively fulfilled. Okay, so I'm going to take a short break and then I'll be back. And it's going to be amazing. Can't wait to tell you what we got in store. Take care and I'll see you in a few weeks. Creative Babble.